This is The Universe, Episode 5, An Organ Builder, on Tuesday, March 6th, 2012. Hey. Hey there. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. How was your good. week? It was pretty good. It was uh, pretty uh, relaxed. Not a whole lot of work um, before spring break. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my week's pretty good, too. Uh, probably just about as relaxed as that. We're actually uh, doing this podcast on a Tuesday night, so yes. it's been a little more than a week since our last episode. And we're, we're doing it on Tuesday because I decided to disappear on, what, what day was that, Sunday? And then I also decided to disappear on Monday. Yep. But it's all right. But I am now equipped with a loan, allegedly. From who? Wells Fargo. For school? Yeah. Cool. So now I'm just rolling in the dough. Very nice. Well, they have to approve it, but presumably they will. Don't you have to pay it to the school, though? Yeah. It it goes to the school. I don't have to worry about it now. Right. So you're not exactly rolling in the dough. Well, I don't have to spend my own money. This is true. All $300 of it. So rich. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything new in... Your classes, computer science. Um, let's see. We're doing um, induction proofs in computer science. Not yeah. not my favorite thing to do because they're, you know, like what I feel about all the proofs that we do is that really the thing about proving things is that it's all just a big trick. <laughs> what? Oh, you, you, you just you just wave your hands. You write some stuff down four times in a different way each time, and then voila! Look, it's proved. But not really. But yes, it is. And I, I don't know. I like I like my proofs more concrete than that. I don't know. But that's like as concrete as it gets. If yeah. You show. Yeah. You know, I, I like my things to be more experimental. I guess I, I don't prove things by hand waving. I approve my my things by doing them. Something. Yeah. But well, I mean, I mean, some uh, proofs make sense, but not all of them. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I don't know. As like induction makes sense to me. Because you probably it, learned it the better way. You probably learned it from a mathematical standpoint instead of yeah. this nonsense that we learn in this class. That could be true. Um, but but the better topic in computer science that we had that we did last week was um, RSA encryption, which I am quite fond of. Oh yeah, you and Matt talked about that. Um, no, I mean um, RSA encryption um, in that computer science class oh. we. Um, we uh, talked about how it works. Uh, you know, he the the professor did a okay job at explaining it, but one of the problems, one of the things I didn't like is that in the homework we were supposed to do like simple RSA encryptions by hand. Yeah. And we were supposed to convert, you know, like uh, words into integers in some way and do some stuff. And it turns out that. A, the letter A is represented by two zeros, and letter B is represented by zero, one, and then so on. And, you know, it seemed kind of arbitrary that that was the case, because it really honestly doesn't matter. And in the book, it did not say anywhere that that was the case. Like, oh, we're going to assign all the alphabet an integer from zero to 25. It didn't say that anywhere in the book. It just was assumed. And that that's pretty annoying, because to me, everything should be, like, just binary, and it shouldn't matter. Or if it is not going to be binary, it's going to be the, you know, ASCII codes. Or it's going to be something. It's not going to be some arbitrary thing. So I'm going through it, and it's like, hmm, T is 20, or it's 19, or it's 65. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I probably did it wrong, but 
I don't I don't do RSA encryption by hand either. Right, because who does that? Nobody. It's a lot of work to do even by hand, even when the message is short. Yeah. But it is pretty cool that it works and knowing how it works is very interesting. Yeah, can you uh give a brief summary? Uh I can. I will do a very poor job, but essentially what happens is you have two um you you have two primes and you multiply those primes together to get some really huge number n. And n is some integer that's really hard to factor because it has two primes as its factors and because it's so huge, finding the factors will be just next to impossible. Uh and then somehow you derive um a d and an e and those allow you to uh decrypt and encrypt. So I um, the e is for encryption and the d is for decryption obviously. And they're related in some particular way that I can't remember or explain. And with those, you can encrypt or decrypt the message. So and and so my favorite multiple my my favorite uh, operation in all of mathematics is modulus of course. And modulus plays a central role in this. So you take your message block. So whatever message you have, you split it up into some arbitrarily sized uh, message block. So I guess in my class, we were using four integers. It represents each block. Yeah. And then um, you raise that to the power of E, which is somehow related to those other uh, primes. And then you modulus it by that N that you made with the two primes. And uh, it somehow it magically works. And then you can decrypt it in a similar way. Cool. And the reason this all is important is because it's practically in, you you have a public and a private, and that, that public key can be used by anybody to encrypt a message and then send that message to you where you have the private keys. And the person with the public key can't figure out the the private key because... N is so big, and finding two primes to make that N is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, for a class that goes on about algorithms, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of algorithm you'd have to use. Probably be a brute force algorithm to break that. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's... You just have to try every single thing. Right. I don't know. Go ask some hackers. Yeah, I don't don't really want to talk to any hackers. I'm good. But, you know, when you read the... um, like, in class, you know, it makes a lot more sense, probably because my professor simplified it a lot. But when I look on the Wikipedia page, you know, it is a lot more complicated because there's all sorts of other things that go on, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's something about a coprime and something about uh, modular multiplicative inverse. There's something about some fee. I don't know what fee is. It's phi of n equals p minus 1 times q minus 1. I don't know what that's about. Um, yeah, that, but, it you know, it's all cool. It, it all works, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. Yeah, it's surprisingly good. But, you know, the other um, kind of encryption I know about that's slowly catching along is the elliptic curve. Well, I can't spell. Um, elliptic curve encryption. Yep, which sounds terribly complicated. It does sound terribly yeah. complicated, but that makes it all the much better. Yeah, we discussed this a while ago. Um, yeah, but I don't remember what I knew about it because I forget quickly. I don't know. Nothing? I mean, it's like just some oh, really complicated uh, math. Similar, I mean, like it's an encryption algorithm, so... Well, it has something to do with... what? Well, how does it work? Because what you have like two factors, like it's, it's y squared equals x cubed plus ax plus b, and 
apparently, if you know one, it's really hard to find the other, but there is some relation to it. I have no idea. <laughs> That's something like that. I don't know anything about cryptography, really, but hopefully I will learn. Are you going to go for that specialization? No, but I'll probably like take some classes in it. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm weary of taking that specific specialization, since I don't actually like doing math. Um, yeah. But it is pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah. I'll I'll put those I'll I'll put links to RSA and elliptic curve cryptography in the show notes because they're very interesting. Everybody should read those. So do you know yep. what do you know what um RSA is used for? Um no. Well, I, RSA yeah. is used for uh SSL certificates primarily uh or well, not primarily but you know a lot. Uh also when you have to log into um websites a lot of websites that don't want to pay for an SSL tick ticket or certificate they'll uh encrypt your password before it's sent out with javascript with the public key from the server and then the server can decrypt it with its private key and that way they don't have to pay for anything and they can just do it all all themselves for free which is pretty cool uh it you know it's a really handy thing to have around yeah and also um one if i don't i'm sure you've noticed that like if you did this class already so i'm sure you've done some of the computations for rsa but um we actually we didn't cover that really oh man you missed one of the good ones uh that's terrible hmm well one of the problems with rsa is that it's a lot of uh, as you must know that doing it by hand is ridiculous but even doing it on you know a powerful computer does take up quite a bit of processing power because it has to do all sorts of computations to do the modulus and the math and the exponentials and stuff and because it's using huge, you know, 200-digit numbers, you know, it takes a lot of memory to do it all. So it's not really uh, a good idea to encrypt a long message with, you know, like 100 you know, gigabytes of data with RSA. But what you can do instead is use, like, uh, an encryption scheme that's like uh, AES or um, a, commit, a symmetric key scheme. So, like, you have the key... So you can decrypt it and encrypt it with the same key. Um, and that, uh, what that, you do is you you use your RSA scheme to encrypt the key, and then you can send the public key and the private key all out at once um, for that particular thing you're, you want to send that has huge amounts of data. Because symmetric key schemes don't take, they take processing power, but it's a lot easier for them to be computed. But if you want to keep them secure, then you're going to use that, you know, encrypted key as your big secret value. Right. So that is pretty uh, pretty handy. Mhm. Yeah. Let's see what am I doing in physics? I um we're talking about elect- uh you know uh, circuits a lot these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh like capacitance and Yeah, like capacitance and other types of circuitry like um what happens when a bunch of capacitors are in parallel? Or when you have a bunch of light bulbs in parallel and then a bunch in series, which one's brighter, which one's dimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff like that. Yeah. It isn't actually that cool. No. No, definitely not. So um, what, what are you learning in astrophysics? Well, actually, um, learning some pretty cool stuff. One of the interesting things that we talked about recently is um, the like the processes that determine... Um, sort of the the size, like the radius of a star. Interesting. Um, which is based on, like, the pressure of the 
the the pressure on the star due to its own gravity, like or the gravity on like the gas of the star right. compressing it, mm-hmm. and then the pressure from the interior, which is uh, the like it, as a fairly in a simplified model is just the pressure from the gas, um, and then the radiation pressure from the nuclear reactions that occur at the interior of the star, um, and so. From that, you can sort of uh, uh, deduce that if uh, nuclear reactions occur in like the core of the star, then the photons released from that and the energy takes a long time to reach the exterior. So even if like the nuclear reactions in the center of a star shut down, you wouldn't know for like tens of thousands of years. Uh, depending on how big the star is. So you're saying that the photons that are hitting us right now are tens of thousands of years old? Yeah, not to say that they left the sun. Well, um, I mean... They left the sun like eight minutes ago or whatever. There's like Right, some... but they're really old electrons that just left. Uh, not yeah. electrons, photons. <laughs> not electrons. Um, but, yeah, so the... I mean, the, the photons travel by, like, hitting an atom and then exciting that elect- the electron in that atom and then being emitted, um, being re-emitted. So it's... T- I mean, like... Not exactly the same photon, but like that you can oh, sort yeah. of see okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting that like the sun could be out right now, but we wouldn't know for a while. Right. So does that when the sun goes, if, if that new stuff in the you know the core of the sun, if those renew, you know those reactions stopped, would it start to change its shape or its size? Um. I mean, does that happen like? Yeah. In, so, in real time, not like in tens of thousands of years. Well. Um. Not, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I would, I, from what I remember, I think the radiation pressure would, um, sort of like travel outwards through the gas, sort of in a bubble, so that it wouldn't, you wouldn't notice a decrease in the the size of the star, hmm. um, until the radiation left like the surface. And so once once the decrease is noticed from, or like the decrease in luminosity is noticed at the surface, then you would probably get a decrease in the radius. Um, okay, so it's. You know, it would probably take a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, and so then when the, like, the core shuts off, then the radiation pressure decreases. So gravity starts to, like, sort of win over. Mm-hmm. And then the star compresses and the core heats up and then it, like, sets off a new chain of nuclear reaction with heavier elements and stuff. Right. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know too much about that kind of stuff because they don't tell you that in the in the books that you just get in the library. They don't, they don't they try not to tell you too much about the math, but that is uh interesting. Yeah. What are you doing in uh quantum mechanics? Um talking about the Schrodinger equ- wave equation. Still talking Still. about that. It seems well, like it's been months first of the year. Um because that's sort of like the basis of modern quantum mechanics I, I guess so but man it's been it's been months since you started doing that it's been like a week and a half okay fine did did i mention i can't remember if i mentioned last show about um like quantum tunneling and stuff um uh, no you didn't mention that no okay but for well, some reason i remember seeing that word recently so that's interesting um yeah so the the schrodinger wave equation is sort of like in a, a function that describes the probability of a particle being at a certain point in space and time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you have 
a particle with a certain energy and that particle hits a like a potential barrier so say if you have an electron and you have a voltage mm-hmm. um, that would be a potential barrier well and i then, know all about voltages and potential right and so if that potential is thin it's like sort of just a wall mm-hmm. there's a probability the schrodinger function gets or has a sort of an exponential decay once it hits the potential and so there's a like a small probability that the electron can appear on the other side of the potential barrier, mm-hmm. um, which makes no sense. But it's like it works. That's in your cell phone. There's um, tunneling modulated current, so you can adjust the number of electrons essentially that get through a potential barrier by varying either the width of it or the like the magnitude of the potential, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That is pretty crazy. You know, all of quantum mechanics is like that. Yep. It's full of, you know, randomly appearing electrons. So you know current, right? Current? You know the... uh, Current? Yeah. I. Yeah, I. Yeah. So what do you define current as? Uh, Electrons per second. Okay. So... Maybe. Or maybe it's coulombs per second. Right. It is coulombs per second something. Um, But would you say current is the positive flow or the negative flow charge? Um, well, since it was, like, come up with back when people didn't know about electrons and they thought that positive charges move, um, it's defined as, like, a positive current is the, like, the direction that positive charges would move. Uh, it's unacceptable. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it's not a big deal. I, I don't agree. It's terrible. <laughs> it should, it needs to be fixed immediately. Yeah. And then... Just to make it worse, the current symbol is I, which is just absolutely un- unacceptable. Uh, but I'll, I'll give it that one. That they can have I if they really want to. What's wrong with I? Does current start or even have an I in it? What is the le- like? What is the symbol representation of something have to do with? You know, I, li- I like the th- I like the things that go together, like time T. Right. How many other ones can you think of? None. There's like voltage is V, velocity is V. Um, Look at charge. Charge is Q. That's unacceptable. Well, this. Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, anyway, I I just uh you know every day my my professor will say, wow, remember the current is defined as the positive charge flowing, and it's like really is it? Are you sure? I mean, you could define it the other way. You just have to remember that and then do your calculations in the same manner. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's not right. All right. So, what else? I, I, so I see, I hear we have some news for the week that's also been accumulated from last week. Um, I think it's mostly just from last week. <laughs> same but, thing. You know, in in the realm of science, you know, you'd be surprised at just the lack of news. It seems <laughs> like. There's just nothing happening. Yeah. Odd. Although the um, there's some important news from the. I guess I don't know if we talked about this maybe at some point, but um, the Large Hadron Collider and the Higgs boson is like at I think a four sigma significance. Oh yeah, we right did ta- we, we did talk about that. Mention that. Okay, that's big news. Was it but, really? Was it really big news? Yeah, that's. That's way higher than it was before. Okay, fine. You uh, and your sigmas. Oh, I have news actually. 
Um, I got a job offer. Really? From a professor at the event. That's fantastic. Yeah. What is what is what is the job? Um, it involves doing some coding for physics instruments. That sounds using possible. The root framework in C The what framework? Root framework. Interesting. It's developed by some people at CERN for like dealing with physics instruments and yeah. Well, so, you have fun doing that. I will. I, I will stick to the more logical and much easier web programming that I prefer. Okay. And but when you do when you do make your certain interface, I can uh, make a website for you. You can make oh, a, I can make a beautiful web interface with some AJAX and maybe some sliding buttons. Sounds excellent. Yeah. So um, that that's pretty cool. So uh, what do you have to do to get that job? Um. Well, I have to go and be. Well, I already accepted, I guess, a job offer, and so I have to go and be verified as a U.S. citizen. How do you because, do that? How do you, how do you prove I, that? I don't know. I guess I just have to like bring in my passport and like show them that I was that I have a passport. Well, and then that's not so hard. Saw it. No, I mean, I mean you leave the country like every week, don't you? <laughs> not quite. I mean, you have your own private jet. Oh right, forgot about that. Yeah, of yeah, I know you, you got that a couple of years ago, and I know you never use it, but. Nope. You do have it. Yeah, so if anybody wants a free private jet charter, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I was telling Matt the other day that I know I know a pilot that we can get too. Uh, oh yeah? Yeah. But I don't know, we'll we'll talk about that later. Right. Yeah. Uh so in the news. Let's see, we have some dark matter in the news. Dark matter as in dark matter. A dark Not- matter as in a huge blob of dark matter. So I don't know how you um I don't I don't know like the beginning of this article says astronomers using the Hubble Space Telescope are mystified by an emerging galaxy cluster known as Abel 520 in which concentrations of visible matter and dark matter have apparently come unglued. Like so that first sentence really is confusing because you don't really get to see dark matter and I don't know what it means when they become unglued. Um hold on. Sorry, I had to pick up this almond off my floor. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, dark matter is uh, like detected since we can't see it, so it has the name dark matter. Um, at, at least we can't see it in the electromagnetic wavelength. Um, so notice. Well, don't can't we like scan the entire spectrum of wavelengths though? I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, so we, there could be like it could be. In, ultra high energy gamma rays that we haven't like we don't have instruments to detect energies that high that's it or very, something like that. that's very odd um it is very odd except that doesn't even make sense because because uh, if it was that, ultra high gamma rays you think they'd be killing a lot more stuff yeah yeah uh, I, right so we can't see it um but we can detect it from its gravitational effect on light from objects behind it um it's called gravitational lensing mm-hmm. and so photons which are little packets of light have uh, are affected by gravity. I mean, they have a, a tiny momentum, so they don't technically have any mass, which is odd. But they do have a momentum, and so, but it's very like small, and so the effect of gravity is minimal. Um, and they're well, and they're moving so fast that they don't spend much time in the gravitational influence of things. But for like large collections of dark matter, it the gravitational influence is strong enough that you can observe that bending of light. And so it sort of looks like 
there is a, a magnifying glass almost, and near the edges of it, things are squished um, because the light from behind is getting bent back inwards, sort of. So if you think of, uh, I don't know what a good way to think of that is. Never mind. Uh, also, did I just say that photons have small mass? Okay, just kidding. Well, you said they had a small momentum. Right. Well, yeah, but well, they have no mass. Small momentum, but that doesn't have anything to do with the gravitational effect because of Newton's laws. I was being stupid. Don't worry about um, it. It's easy to make these mistakes. I hate physics too. No, I love physics. I just so, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. Gravitational lensing is how we detect dark matter. Um, there's a. I'll probably put a link in the show notes to a good picture of gravitational lensing um, from a black hole, which makes it very obvious, sort of how it works. Yeah. Um, I'll post that in the show notes. But so the article that you mentioned is about the discovery that these dark matter like clouds sort of are in are sort of separate from their accompanying matter matter, not dark oh, matter. Okay, so like does dark matter like to be near normal matter? Well, it has it exerts gravitational influence on the matter around it, so you would expect that it, they would clump together. Okay, um, so what we that makes observe sense. Just in general, um, but this is uh, this discovery is odd because that's not the case. These um, these uh, mat well, I don't know what to say. Light matter, not dark matter. Regular matter. Normal matter is matter's fine. Yeah. Normal matter is. Uh, um, separating from the dark matter blobs and that's hasn't that's not something that's been observed before so there are a couple of different theories um one is that it's the result of an odd sort of galactic collision um which sort of which somehow like through these blobs of regular matter normal matter away from the dark matter core um, well, that sounds good. The dark matter core. Yeah, right. Um, there's yeah, there's a couple different theories on what could have happened there. Um, it could be a new a new universe phenomena that we haven't just haven't observed before, um, and will require some physics doing to figure out if there some is new, any new physics doing. Yes. So I, I'm reading here that. Yeah, some of the uh, the dark matter is thought to be like some type of weakly interacting subatomic particle. Yeah. So what would that what what could that be like? Just a bunch of quarks that are just hanging out. Uh, well, we don't know that. I mean, like nobody knows. I don't know. Pretty sure nobody knows. <laughs> there's, I mean, like there's probably there's different theories. Um. Well, I I I um I know that dark matter is uh thought to make up a like what, 80% of the matter in the universe, and then the other 20% is actual normal matter? Is that, are those uh, numbers? I Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. Just a large proportion is made out of, or is, a large portion of the mass in the universe is dark matter. Mm-hmm. And a much smaller portion is right. regular matter. Which is just, just great, because that means most of the universe is something we can't see and can't actually know what we're doing. Yet. Yeah. Well, I hope you. Um, I hope your uh, your new job can shed some light on the dark matter. Yeah, right. Um, that would be cool if that happened. I'm not sure how that would happen. But no, 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 either. I always hope. 
So what are they going to do with this observation? Is are they going to how, how do you how do you what's the next step? Like what do you do after that? Um well, the for like astronomical discoveries like this, uh it's generally for like things like this that have never been observed before, uh we generally start to look for other examples of the same thing occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh would indicate that there is a that this is a process maybe that isn't uncommon in the universe, in which case we would start to look for um, processes that we know of that could lead to this sort of formation. Uh, when I say we, I just mean people. Yeah, I, I, I got you. Um, You're going to be involved in this soon, you know. Maybe. Um, and also the, another side of it is that people will start to think of physical explanations, maybe <clears throat> modeling um, galactic collisions to see which uh, initial formations would result in this result, re- result in this end formation. Um, <laughs> which things result would in result, result in this result? That's right. I like it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So things, things like that. So we have some, some of, we have some other news too. Yeah. I was just going to say some of uh some of that research will be done by NASA. Well, you know, that's not good because I think there's also a dark matter hole at NASA because they've been hacked a few times. Yeah. They, uh, what, 13 times? 13 times in the last year. So, I mean, I don't know what um, secrets NASA has, but I, I certainly don't need them to be hacked since they're already poor enough. <laughs> right. Oh, I, but... <laughs> I, don't, I feel like they probably didn't hack them to take their money. Well, um, I like um I like the 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 first line of the article. The National Aeronautics and Space Administration spends only 58 million of its 1.5 billion annual IT budget on cybersecurity. Only 58 million. Oh, only. Right, but that's only like less than 4%. Well, I know, but still, it's I mean, it's talking about like ratio. I know, but, but I mean, that is a lot of money. Only. I understand. Um also, it's funny that that 1.5 billion is just the annual. I know, act. right? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what they're complaining about. I mean, I think they've, I think they're, uh, I think they've got some money to spend there. So, uh... no, don't say that. They need more. Okay, fine. I don't think they have enough money. I agree. 58 million is not enough. That should be. They should put an extra zero on that. Yes. Yeah. They should put, just put an extra zero on every number that NASA spent. Okay, so instead of 93 million miles, it's now 900 and. Yeah, 930 miles. Yeah, okay, good. So it was apparently hacked um, some by someplace in China, and they yeah. broke into the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a kind of a big deal as far as, like, national defense goes, mm-hmm. because a lot of the, uh, I mean, like, missile propulsion systems, obviously you can tell from the name. Um, yeah. Research is done into those. So this is what they get for Windows running Windows ninety five still, um, and so it, apparently they gained full system access, which allowed copying, modifying, deleting, and creating user accounts and files for important systems, and also uploading other tools to the systems to do even more nefarious things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they were also able to modify system logs to conceal their actions. That's good. Yeah, maybe NASA needs to spend a little bit more on. Yeah, just a little, just a little bit. So it doesn't say here how it happened, 
Uh, but I'd be curious to actually know. Like, I somehow doubt that it was Windows' fault here. Um, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't. Unless, I mean, like, it could have been that they're just like a group of amazing Chinese hackers that like had some zero day. Oh, but that's that's tough though yeah. because you wouldn't think that. I mean, I'm sure NASA does use you know open things, but you think NASA is going to be using the best of the best in terms of the software. You know, right, but I mean, like. Zero days are usually things that the manufacturer doesn't even know about, and so... Well, you think NASA would be using some Unix derivative. Are there no sort of zero-day hacks for Unix? Well, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't, but it's increasingly harder to find zero days for Unix-based things because it's been out for 45 years, 50 years now. This is China we're talking about. Okay, I guess. I guess, you know, you (laughs) just get a couple hundred people on that and go to town. Not, I'm, I'm not saying that this was a Chinese government because it might not have been. Probably was, but it might not have been. Right. Um, well, it, yeah. it just says Chinese-based IP. I mean, you know, right. that could be anybody. Yep. Um, and another sort of a big implication from this is that whatever um, work we've been doing as far as, like, a new generation of shuttles, like the uh, heavy lift vehicle... Um, that NASA has been working on as the next generation, like space transport, um, that data could have been stolen, and so somebody else maybe build it before us or something. Well, I, don't I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a big loss in the terms, you know, like in the scope of things. Well, we're not really, we're not really racing you, against anybody at this point, right? As far as our position in being sort of leaders of space exploration. I think we gave that up. Right. Already in serious jeopardy. Um, would that's, That would be another big hit to that. Uh, so, I don't know. Well, I'm reading the comments, and somebody also wrote, only $58 million. Um, But, of course, this guy misunderstood that that $1.5 billion number isn't even the entire agency's budget. That's just IT budgets. So, he uh, goes on to say that Three point seven percent of an agency budget sounds like a lot to be spending on something that's relatively non moving forward, but even he, he even got that wrong, so I'm not gonna read the rest of it. And somebody else wrote that maybe they should get Apple computers. <laughs> don't think that would help them. I don't think so. Um, but you know what would help them? I feel like they use Linux. I'm I'm sure they're using some ancient Unix derivative. Um yeah, be, and you can totally see why NASA would probably be doing that because they probably invested into Bell Labs and AT and T. And well, it wasn't free back then. It's not, Unix is definitely Unix, not free. Unix was free. Oh no, no Unix. Well, I mean, it's not yeah. free anymore. Well, it was. I mean, what are you what are you talking about? Unix. Yeah, Unix. Not free. Hold on. Yeah. Definitely not free. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, there are free distributions of Unix, which are called yeah. Linux, but okay. Unix itself isn't free because somebody who wanted money made it. Well, and presumably, yeah, some, presumably somebody that was, somebody was just telling me about this today, or wait, what's today? Tuesday, yesterday, <laughs> um, that people that AT and T distributed Unix like to certain people for free. Well, that might that might be true. But generally, you have to get a license, and it costs a lot. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, isn't there a Berkeley? Well, yeah. So BSD, yeah. 
you can you can get BSD, which is a Unix derivative, but it's not Unix. Yeah. Um, okay. like a single Unix server could be a thousand dollars, and a cluster could be twenty thousand dollars. Um, I don't know what the licenses are because nobody uses Unix directly anymore. Yeah. For good reason. It's ancient. Don't do it. But you know, I know, I know some penguins that are still using Unix because they're twenty six million years old. So this is a weird story because it just came out of nowhere, and you know, I I don't know, but have you ever heard of a elegant penguin? Uh, as a species, no. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't I don't know why they're calling an elegant penguin, but it's it's fairly interesting because they found one of these giant penguins off the coast of uh, I'm guessing somewhere. Um, like oh, oh, just you know, guessing somewhere. Right. They didn't find a live one. No, they did not find a live one. They found the skeleton. Right. Yeah. I wish they found a live one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's not. It's not that much bigger than you know an emperor penguin, but it is still pretty large. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's It's about uh, a foot foot taller and uh, I don't know twice as heavy. Uh, And I don't know anything about penguins, but I I wouldn't call this artist sketch of the elegant penguin particularly elegant well, i don't know the the long beak and stuff would require some grace as far as trying to fish with that thing well it's a spear but then how do you get the food off of your spear and into your mouth well hmm <laughs> you you have to do it in it with a team i don't know yeah i don't know that's interesting interesting discovery as far as biology Fossil record. What is that called? Oh, paleontology. Yes. What I'm looking for. <laughs> it, it's hard to remember. I always get confused with geology. Um, <laughs> they're very similar. You look at rocks, and in one you find rocks, and in the other you find bones. Mm-hmm. So it says that some of these, these, the, these giant penguins might have gone extinct because of either climate change, new predators, or increased competitions from seals and other creatures. And I'm, I'm guessing that makes sense. Yeah. What? 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 When was twenty six years? Twenty six million years ago? Uh, what period of Earth was that? Does that uh, have a name? Million, that would be like. Isn't that like the current era? I I thought it was too. Yeah. Um. Because it's not. Hold on. Long yeah, ago. I um. Getting your paleontology chart up. Um. No, that sounds like. Now, I mean, I get, I'll have to look on Wikipedia. Give me a second to figure out if that's actually right. Well, let's see. Um, that would be pretty safely within. Yeah, that that is the current period essentially. It's actually like two mini periods ago. It's like the neo neo gene period. That is so not real. Wait, where do you find this? Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, according to these, the link in the show notes, the oh, I lost it. Oh, there it is. Uh, so we're in the Phasonoric era eon, I guess. Hold on, I got it. Okay. Excellent geologic clock from Wikipedia. Oh, that that would be helpful. Geologic clock. I didn't Google that, but good. Uh, oh, goes back too far. Goes, okay. Um, goes back four point six. Giga somethings. I don't even know what that means. Uh, 
Hold on. I don't know. GA? What does that stand for? As far as units of time. Nothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the... Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a... Okay. Graphical timeline on Wikipedia. I'll post a link. But it says that the 26 million would be in probably the... Cenozoic? Cenozoic era. Yeah, Cenozoic. Paleogene period and the Oligocene epoch. Right. Not that that means anything. But that's where deers, cats, pigs, and rhinos, and elephants, and other things evolve. I mean, I guess if those things are around, I can see how there would be a giant penguin. Yeah, and oh, and in the uh, Chattian stage. Hmm. Yeah, I don't do biology. I try to stay away from that. That's geology. The but, upper end of the Oligocene. You can just cut this out of the show because I'm talking about stupid things. Like what? Like the 4M Biozone P21B. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't edit the show anymore. That's too much work. Ah. Well, like the past 20 minutes, we haven't said anything important. You'd be surprised. And, oh, well, no. I mean, like just the stuff about what period. Looking for what period this it's, happened. It's it's okay. It doesn't matter. Editing the show is overrated. Right, but I feel like if it's not as long, more people will listen, because an hour is a long time. Oh, it, I cut down the time, but just not with editing. So, um, you know, if we wanted to find a giant penguin on a different planet, though, we might need, we, we need a different way to do it, because we can't see, you know, planets really well far away. So we need, we need a different way, and so... We have another article here called Earthshine Helps in Search of Life on Other Worlds. And so I thought this was interesting, and you get to explain it, because apparently they're looking at the light that's reflected off the moon to see um, stuff about Earth. So can the moon really reflect any detailed enough image for it to be useful? Um, well, yes. Well, I'm already uh, impressed then. It's, yeah, well, it's not really an image. It's, like, you don't get a picture of the um, Earth, but you can analyze the light as far as its color. So, like, and, spectral analysis? Yeah. Okay. And uh, the um, polarization, which can indicate what the surface composition is as far as, like, ratios of water to land um, on the Earth or, like, uh, absorbing bodies to like or masses with higher absorption ratios or lower emission ratios, whatever um, stuff like that. And so from that, you can sort of detect the composition of planets, and which is a good indicator as to their suitability to support life. Um, yeah, and so they did this with the Earth from the Moon or from the light from the Moon, um, sort of as an experiment to see to see what what we would look for um, if we were ever look if we ever get telescopes powerful enough to look at moons of distant planets why wouldn't you just look at the planet anyway well yeah that's what I thought too you would um, the <laughs> just kidding you wouldn't look at the moon of another planet to see if it looked like the earth you would look at the other planet to see if it looked like the earth when you're looking at the earth from the moon because that's how we would get the light from another planet sort of emitted. Like, it's like looking at the Earth from very far away. 
when you're looking at it in the reflection from the moon. Well, that's not hard to conceptualize at all. Well, okay. So if you're looking at Earth from like the International Space Station, it's not hard to tell what it's made out of. Right. You see water. Yes. You see the land. You see green. Um, and when you're looking at a planet that's really far away, you can't make out those details. And so you're basing whatever, I don't know, guesses or whatever like estimates you make about the composition, things like that, on the light from the planet and the characteristics of that light. And so the, the way that we can sort of do a, a test of that on Earth is to look at the reflection from the moon because it, it's similar to what the Earth would look like from really far away. I see. Hmm. I guess. I don't know. Something like that. On to the next thing. Yeah, why don't we do that? How about if we do some Explorer stuff? Yes. Fun things. I like ideas. Fun. Let's talk about Um. So, NASA has uh, more NASA news. So, um, after getting hacked, they decided to make a video. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that, that was the first thing they did. Um, yeah. So, NASA has a new ad. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have seen their previous ads. Um, they've been pretty good, but not particularly, I mean, like, inspiring, but not, like, woe-inspiring. Um, and so this one is pretty cool. You shouldn't give they, away who the main voice actor is. You should let that be a mystery for the video. Oh, come on. Oh, well, we're going to play it here in a second, so. Oh, okay. Whatever. Go ahead and play it. Okay. the explorers we have a need to find what is out there it is a drive inside each and every one of us the drive to wonder to push the boundaries and to explore we expanded across our lands settling new frontiers we took to the oceans and learned that we could cross treacherous expanses in the pursuit of discovery and then we took to the skies and flew. But that wasn't enough. We left the planet and redefined what was possible. We flew in space. We walked in space. What once was a melodramatic flight of fantasy became reality. Then, a new generation of spaceships captured hearts and minds for three decades and helped build a castle in the sky that is our lasting home in space. We have always looked up. For centuries, we wondered what was on the other side of the sky, and we have begun to answer that question. We have learned... Wasn't that good? Yeah, it was very good. So... So when I when I watched this just a little while ago, uh, the voice actor just like, hmm, you know, this sounds very familiar. So who is that voice actor? That is Peter Collins, who did the voice of Optimus Prime in uh, Transformers. And, you know, that that's very interesting because, uh, you know, Transformers is a kind of futuristic thing and... It's almost as if NASA knew what they wanted to do with it. I think that's what they wanted to inspire. Did I say Peter Collins? Uh, yes, you did, and I have no idea that's why. Who? What's his name? I don't know. Yeah. No. Because 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 I, I got a record producer, a race car driver, an organ I'm... an organ builder. Oh, okay. Hold on. An Australian politician, a Peter broadcaster. Paul. 
Peter Cullen. Cohen, Peter. Okay, Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N. Okay, okay. Just edit out up until now. So that was Peter Cullen, voice actor. Sorry. That was Peter Cullen, the voice actor for Optimus Prime in Transformers. Hmm, also Voltron. Um, oh, and Voltron. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that was a great choice. Um, definitely. Definitely added some... Well-needed dr- drama to an otherwise right. boring video. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, well, it showed... Like, the video starts with a bunch of clips from, like, 50 years ago. Yeah, but it's... There's not a lot of, like, exciting footage from space. Yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, that was a very, I mean, good choice. I, I don't know how many of you have seen the movies, but he, Optimus Prime, does the thing where he, like, talks in the narrative voice about the um, Autobots, like, spreading throughout the universe, that kind of stuff. And it was very much in that same sort of tone that he did this commercial. Yeah, see, I've never been. I've never been able to sit through a single like, I don't know, Transformers movie completely. So I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh well, pretty good, I think. I don't know. So, do you think this video is going to help? I mean, is this going to be on TV? I have no idea. Probably not. I feel like it's going to like play on their website or something. Other. Hmm. Not sure. I don't know if that's going to do enough to help NASA's image. Um, I don't. It's not even like an image thing. It's more of like a, a call to action. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But it's got what 130,000 views on YouTube. It's only because of Optimus Prime. Maybe it's got a. Uh, he's not tagged though. That's pretty I bad. Mean, the guy's name is, but also it's in the pets and animals category. I don't even know <laughs> what. <laughs> it's got 13 dislikes i don't know why you would dislike this internet trolls wow it really uh, isn't pets and animals if you yeah. look it's all it's also as seen on universe today so that's pretty funny right under the, the likes and dislikes mm-hmm. oh yeah universe today is a good um blog yeah they do interesting stuff um just quick talk about um sort of some of the stuff that or some Sort of PR things that yeah, yeah we can do that about space exploration yeah so um, as we have mentioned in past shows uh, NASA has uh, is suffering from some lack of funding lack of uh, public support lack of uh, general interest I guess um, and uh, lack of uh, accurate budget estimates which is another story which we talked about in a previous episode. Um, and we actually had one of our viewers send in a comment. Um, we got a or, comment? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Was I aware of this? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe you only take me. This was from uh, Ian Buck. Oh, who, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, sent in a link to a article on this website called Crack, um, which publishes lists of things. And they had a list of uh, um, 10 uh, or... Maybe it was five. I think it was five. Um, things in science that are... Uh, I don't know what word they used. Oh, it says, uh, um, five ridiculous Cold War myths you learned in history class. And one of those is about the space race uh, during the Cold War. So the point that they make is that the 
space race didn't really have a, a lot of public support. It wasn't like when you hear about it now, a lot of times it sounds like it was a, a very broadly supported thing. Like everybody, the whole population was behind this Apollo program and uh, everything like that. Um, very like sensationalized. Uh, and when you actually look at some polls from that era, the uh, general population was uh, actually mostly against spending money on trip to the moon. Um, it's because so they, they all thought it was fake. Money. Well, that's a different story. Moon landing hoax. No, not even of- just the moon landing. I'm sure they all thought all of that stuff was fake. Oh, maybe. But, uh, I mean, it's more important is uh, what that says kind of about how the government works, I think, now versus then. Um, cracked uh, <laughs> makes a good summary of it. Um, that back then the government ignored insignificant things like how people felt. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... Well, some- I, th- I think that, that also has something to do, too, with the kind of media environment we're in now. Like back then, yeah. what, in That's- the late 50s and early 60s, we couldn't do... That's true, but I there's a there's a certain extent to which that's beneficial, and then after that, it kind of becomes... It hinders the government's ability to do what it's supposed to do. Um, and I think that there is definitely something to be said for um, the, I mean, like, the general public's view on things, although the general public usually isn't that intelligent, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, That's true. And, and like, yeah. I think it's, I think it's part of the media thing because back then, back then there wasn't a big way to have any kind of rallying or, um, huge support for or against something. It was just easier to just dismiss it quickly and just stop caring, um, but now the government has to react more to what people are thinking and what people like and what they well, dislike. Yeah, the the like elections have become very much like popularity contests. I think it's been like that for a long time, but the way the popularity well, contest is won is different now. Right, and also the I don't know the like partisan differences have increased recently, and so it's even harder to get things done um without the like majority support in house and senate things like that Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm hoping that when obama if hoping that obama doesn't lose the election because that means we'll have one of those republican nut jobs as our president um but assuming he does win uh during his second term um hopefully that won't hold the the administration back as much because it, there won't be a lot of pandering to what people want for him to get elected the next time because it will be in a second term. Right. And I think that definitely could make a difference. But I, I just think it's interesting that uh, the public, sort of the public support of that wasn't nearly as great as it's made out to be a lot of the time. Um, and the fact that it got done anyways is... I don't know. It gives me a little hope, I guess, that even if um, people doing things like Neil deGrasse Tyson, sort of doing public outreach, trying to get people interested in supporting NASA and this space exploration. Well, he shouldn't kill planets, then. 
Ah, he did not. <laughs> he gave it to a friend, Ryan. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. Um, and so even if that doesn't work, which, like you said, though, in, in this different media environment, that could be a more effective strategy. Um, but even if that doesn't work, maybe we'll be able to get something done. I don't know. I've just been very depressed lately about politics. Well, it is, it, and it seems like the politics that, the political climate that we're in now is more of a stalemate because we we won't let either side win and just aside from our objective views there's there's no easy way to convince everyone in general that there's one direction we need to go in and right. you know that is that is the limitation of our kind of government and our kind yeah. of thinking here and it really doesn't help that the general population isn't very bright that that, I mean, like, that definitely doesn't help you know what they should all do they should all listen to a podcast yeah listen to me and Ryan just you'll probably learn something maybe <laughs> probably not actually uh i don't know talk about a couple of interesting things um the, the probability of you learning something on this show is the same probability of you getting um, a card in the first position from that original random algorithm so you know matthew petchel he's calling me should i answer uh, i don't care sure yeah hello matthew petchel Hello, Ryan Rampersad. We are currently doing the, uh, what is this show called? The Universe. Want to say hi to Sam? Isn't it Tuesday? Yes, it is Tuesday. Hey there, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Pretty uh, good. Are you? So what are you guys talking about? Well, we're just about uh, done here, but we were talking about NASA and how the political climate seems to be holding NASA back and, among other things, the government in general. Okay, yeah. Um, did you talk about the meteor that's going to hit the Earth in 2040? No, I haven't heard about that. Why don't you tell us really quick? Um, this guy thinks there's a one one out of 625 chance that this meteorite's going to hit Earth in 2040. And um, this quack thinks the Earth is going to be destroyed in 2013 by a different meteorite that's going to pass between the Earth and the Moon and some other stupid stuff. Oh, that's interesting. But um, like it, it, Yeah. What? I couldn't hear you. Oh, I said he, he does sound like a quack. <laughs> he said he sounds yeah. like a quack. Yeah. yeah. I think he died. Yeah, I don't know what's going okay, on. Okay, I'm, I'm going to kick him out because he needs to get a real internet. Yeah. <laughs> How do I remove? No. Uh, uh, anyway, so Sam, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, Well, you can follow my non-existent tweeting... At, on Twitter at Sam Eberts, uh on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or I have a blog, but it's not very interesting because I haven't updated it for quite a while. You should do uh, that. Eh, one of these you, days. You, you should uh, steam. So you should steam off some of your political angst uh, for the internet. I suppose I could. Um, yeah. So that's uh, samieberts.wordpress.com. Um, there's like one. There's two half-interesting posts, so I suppose that makes one interesting post if you want to go read it right now. And they they are interesting. And, you know, we have talked about about those posts on the show before, so you should listen to those, too. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, I am Ryan Rampersad, and I'm all over the place. I am at RyanMR on Twitter. I am here at The Nexus and, of course, on my blog. And this, of course, is The Universe, the show where Sam and I talk about NASA and NASA and giant penguins. Oh, and NASA. 
Because that's all that there seems to be in the news. Yep. Occasionally, we'll talk about some matter that doesn't actually matter. Uh, but for the most part, we do this show normally on Saturdays, uh, except when we're not busy and that when we don't sleep too much. And uh, yeah, this is a good show, Sam. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, well, it's been good. Have a good one. You too.